Hey, this is Jamie from Stonemaier Games, and today I'm going to talk about my top 10 most played games of all time. Although it's not going to be a top 10 because I found it very difficult to whittle the list down to top 10. And it's going to be divided into a few different categories. Um, and I'll include some input from Stonemaier Games ambassadors as well. Uh, the list ended up being, I, I believe, 16 most played games. So I thought this would be interesting to examine uh, which games have I gotten to the table time and time again, particularly in my adult gaming life, but there are a few that branch out into my childhood and I have to include them. I've been, I've been playing games my whole life. I should say, before I jump into this video too deep, um, I do not track my plays. All of this is my best guess at the most played games. There might be some that I'm forgetting. There might be some that I'm kind of overestimating here. Not exactly sure there. Uh, also, I'm talking about tabletop games specifically. There are probably some video games like Mario Kart in particular that I've played many, many times, especially in college, uh, that, that I'm not going to include here. Now, I did ask ambassadors. Uh, I ended up breaking this down into, into two different categories. Short games, because there are short games that, you know, that get to the table a lot, and the long games that also get to the table a lot, but maybe not as many as those short games that you can play in like 10, 15 minutes. So I, I broke down the list in that way and I asked ambassadors to break down their picks into short games, long games, and Stonemaier games. So that, you know, the Stonemaier games ambassadors, they might be a little bit biased towards our games. Um, and throughout my list, as I, as I discuss my list, I will talk a little bit about what makes a game get to the table so often, uh, both for me and in general. Because I think that's something that any designer aspires to, right? That, that your game isn't just played once, but it's played many, many times over the years. What makes games uh, get to the table often uh, and, and make them that replayable? So ambassador picks for short games are, uh, in no particular order, just ambassador picks, just one, uh, chess, magic, just noticed that a Stillmar game slipped onto that list. I'll take that off. Uh, Hearts, Seven Wonders, Azul, Carcassonne, Codenames, Coup, Dominion, Fantasy Realms, Love Letter, Patchwork, Star Realms, Race for the Galaxy, Splendor, The Crew, The Resistance, Unmatched, and Welcome to. Um, I did include, uh, I included Magic on this list in particular, even though uh, Magic will come up later on, on one of my lists, um, but I included it on the short list because an actual game of Magic is pretty short, typically. Uh, all the other things surrounding Magic can, can go much longer, but an actual single game can be quite short. Hearts is debatable. I think Hearts, you know, can, can go can go a little bit long, but it doesn't need to. Yeah, so we won't we won't go too deep into the discussion of what game should be a short or a long game here. Those are just the short picks. The long picks, so games that ambassadors have played, uh, longer games than ambassadors have played many, many times, are Pandemic, Poker, Terra Mystica, Aeon's End, Anachrony, Catan, Agricola, Clank, Everdell, Gloomhaven, Lords of Waterdeep, Marvel Champions, Marvel Legendary, Quacks of Quenlinburg, Roll for the Galaxy, Root, Spirit Island, Terraforming Mars, The Isle of Cats, Through the Ages, and Lost Ruins of Arnak. I'm trying to see as I say these if there are any trends about these games also being available in digital form. Um, I didn't give any restrictions about that. Like you could include tabletop games that you're playing digitally in this list. And I do a fair number of these are available uh, digitally as well. So this is really interesting. So I, I asked ambassadors for their one uh, Stillmeyer game that they have played the most. And so here's the, the list, including the number of, Stone, of ambassadors that picked this game as their number one most played Stillmeyer game. So uh, I'll say them in alphabetical order here. Between two castles, two ambassadors said that. Between two cities, three ambassadors said that. 
Charterstone, six people said that. And I almost, I'm a little surprised that number isn't a little bit higher because Charterstone is a campaign game. It's the one game on this list that, that actually requires you to play a number of times. But only six there for Charterstone. Euphoria got a two. Red Rising, one. Rolling Realms, five. That to me is also a little surprising because um, Rolling Realms is, is the shortest. And um, well, I'll talk about that on my list in a second. Scythe, 46. Tapestry, 22. Viticulture, 19. Also a little surprising because that's our oldest game. And Wingspan, 43. Wingspan is the one that isn't a surprise at all. I've heard many people play Wingspan, have played it like hundreds of times. The one little surprise there is that Scythe had more plays than Wingspan. More ambassadors said that Scythe is their most played game than Wingspan. Um, Scythe is a longer game. I would say it's a little less accessible than Wingspan. And um, Wingspan is definitely outsold Scythe as well. So that was an interesting surprise there among our games. So let me jump into my top seven most played short games. Why seven? Just how the list worked out. Um, Near the top of that list, at number seven, is Just One. Just One is a cooperative party game uh, that is very funny, where you're trying to uh, help a player decide what word, um, decide one word, reveal one word by giving them a one-word clue. And this is just it. I think it's gotten to the table so many times because it is a cooperative party game. I think that works so well. There's so many instances where where um, where you, you need something to fill a space and just one fills that space for any group. It's very accessible. It can be played with gamers, non-gamers. It's cooperative. And so it doesn't do the thing that a lot of party games do where it kind of make it, it overstays its welcome. It puts the, the spotlight on everyone. And because it's cooperative, you can end at any time. It can be an activity instead of a game, essentially. Uh, you're not necessarily even trying to win beyond just trying to guess the current card. Um, so I think that actually helps a lot that you can really start and end just one at any time. That might be one of the reasons that this got into the table so often for me. That's number seven. Number six, we have The Crew. The Crew does something very clever to get to the table many, many times. I would say my the number of sessions of The Crew I've played is probably the shortest of any game on this list. However, a game of The Crew is a single mission. Uh, that, that is, I think, technically what a game of The Crew is. So if I play mission seven in the crew that is a whole game and oftentimes games of the crew are very very short uh, i think part of that is because when once you win a game of the crew once you meet the conditions in this cooperative again cooperative trick-taking game um you win you can you can end that game immediately and move on to the next game and it gets a little bit harder you can start at any mission as well you can start with the very easy missions one two three or you can say okay we're feeling we're feeling pretty good today let's jump to mission 25 or mission 30 that's okay to do as well so to have this ex escalating range of missions that you don't even necessarily have to play in order in the crew and that they instantly once you in, once you win they instantly end and you kind of have that feeling okay let's play one more um i think that's the reason that, that the crew has gotten to the table at least in terms of number of games, so many times for me. That's number six. And number five is a game, do I still have any version of this game? I thought I did. I think I do somewhere. But this is chess. Um, I thought I had like the Mario chess somewhere over here. You can see it in the, in the photo. But yeah, chess I have played many, many times, much more in my childhood than my adulthood. adulthood. But it's one of the first games that I ever played. Chess is a very short game, very quick, easy to play. It's an abstract game. Um, and it's a two-player game. I think, uh, you know, I, I don't see a ton of them on my list here today, but I think two-player games are inherently a little bit easier to get to the table than than multi than higher than two-player games because 
easy to find one. It's easier often to find one person to play a game than to find a big group of people to play a game. So I think that is in chess's benefit. That is just a two-player game. At number four, we have Seven Wonders. I have played Seven Wonders so many times now. Um, and I'm not even including Seven Wonders Duel in this formula, but I have played Seven Wonders Duel many times as well because it is a different game. But Seven Wonders, I, I played it many times when I got into the hobby. It's a game that I continue to enjoy to play, even, um, even as I played a variety of drafting games or other games that are kind of similar to it. Uh, I think it's... Uh, and also, I think it has a great board game arena implementation. That's the way that I've played it most often these days. The board game arena implementation, unlike this version, is like 10 to 15 minutes at most. So we often use it as a filler game when we have a big group of people on board game arena and we just need something to pass a little bit of time and we always have fun with it. So uh, I think the, the playing time really helps with this. Also, there's very little downtime and every game feels different because of the drafting element to it. That's Seven Wonders at number four. At number three is the uh, the Stonemaier game I'm going to put on this list, and that is Rolling Realms. I'll show you the new promos that we have on our website right now, or the web store. We have these three new promos for Feast for Odin, Smitten, and Honeybuzz on our web store right now. Rolling Realms, uh, I've played now live, I've played 34 times, and I've played more than that as well in person. Uh, but it's definitely my most played Stonemaier game, and one of my most played games of any game ever of all time, uh, just because of how many of those live plays I've done. And I continue to really, really enjoy it. The, the, the puzzle, the combination of the different realms, you paired, you put three different random realms together and uh, one player rolls the dice and all players use the results of the dice in those same three realms. Uh, yeah, I, I have found, I've been delighted by how much I've, I've enjoyed playing this game, even just playing it solo on camera and having other people play sometimes live, but usually uh, in the future on YouTube. But yeah, Rolling Realms, I, that, that's my one of my top played games of all time and definitely my most played Stillmeyer game. At number two, uh, Dominion. Dominion over here. I happen to have my favorite expansion, Dominion as well, Prosperity. Dominion is one of the games that I played when I got into the gaming hobby as an adult and I played it over and over and over again. I've played this game so many times. Uh, I think it scales well for different player counts. So I've played it at a higher player counts. I've played it a lot with friends and just, just two players. That's been a lot of fun as well. I have not played it as much in recent years, but I had so many plays of it uh, in, in my, my early adult gaming years that um, that is definitely still up there near the top of this list of short games. And number one is Magic. I mentioned that earlier, putting it on the short list, even though the, the most frequent way that I play Magic now is at, in, in draft format, which is definitely not a short game. Uh, draft format takes quite some time. Um, but yeah, Magic, I've, I've played this throughout most of my life, uh, at least starting when I was maybe 12 or 13. I'm 41 now, so I've played it for many, many years. And I've just played, I, I don't know, countless games of Magic. I, there's maybe one game one game on, on my long-played games that might compete with it, but it's going to be very close. Just played a lot of Magic over the years. And why is that? Why have I played that? I think it's partially because, um, well, I really like the game. I think that's part of it. And uh, I think they ha they've had so many sets of Magic come out over the years. I constantly want to discover what each new set feels like um, by itself and sometimes in combination with other sets. So having that, uh, having that constant... Um, that that ongoing rollout of new sets makes me want to play new sets of Magic. I didn't even talk much about uh, what, what makes me play Dominion all that often, but I think I played it so often because 
uh, well, I, I really enjoyed the game, and because it has so many different combinations of cards that can come out, there's always a different puzzle due to those combinations of cards. So it's all about kind of replayability, I think, for Dominion uh, that made me get to the table over and over again. So those are my top seven most played short games on my list. And now my top nine most played long games. And oddly enough, I don't own a lot of these games, even though I own a lot of the short games. So number nine on the list is Castles of Mad King Ludwig. And this is an odd one, because really, I, uh, until I got this recent collector's edition, I had never owned Castles, and I hadn't played it in a few years, because I was waiting on this collector's edition to arrive. But I've played Castles so many times, partially because it's really, really easy to teach, or I believe it's easy to teach, especially for kind of a meteor game. And it's a very rewarding game. I think that's one of the game, reasons um, that I love games in general and why I love this game and why I've gotten it to the table so many times. Every time you do something in this game, when you place a tile, you're gaining at least one reward and oftentimes more than one reward. So everything you do feels really, really good in this game. Um, and yeah, I've, just, I, I've played it with a wide variety of people, whether teaching or, or playing with people who already know the game. And I, I think it, it, uh, now that I have the collector's edition, it might even climb higher up on this list. So that's Castles of Mech and Ludwig. And number eight, Lords of Waterdeep. I love Lords of Waterdeep, one of my favorite worker placement games. And definitely the reason that Lords of Waterdeep is on this list is that it is one of the first um, full AI uh, gaming port or ports or apps that I that I owned. I have played Lords of Waterdeep quite a few times on the table, but I played far more times in the digital format, really against the AI. I mostly play against the AI. Um, and so I, I think that's that's the main reason why this game is on the list. I, I, as much as I enjoy it, uh, I, I don't think the mechanisms of the game are, are what uh, are the reason for the replayability or the, the longevity of this game, but rather uh, that that the app is really really good. It's a really really nice app. So that's why Lords of Waterdeep is at number eight. Number seven is Terra Mystica. I love Terra Mystica. You've seen it show up on a lot of my top 10 lists, and definitely the reason that I've gotten to the table so many times is the asymmetry in the game. The strong asymmetry between the factions, trying to figure out that puzzle of your faction and that in any given game as it relates to the other factions on the table, and also as it relates to the starting positions that you chose at the beginning of the game. Um, I've played Terra Mystica many, many times, both on tabletop, uh, both on board game arena and on on the tabletop itself. In fact, when when uh, I never owned it, but my friend Adam got the game and kind of decked it out. And we played it over and over and over again for years. And it's one of the few games that we didn't just play over and over again at first. But often, whenever someone at a game night would say, hey, do you want to pull out Terra Mystica? We were all just happy to play. I think it just scratches the itch of my gaming group. Um, so yeah, Terra Mystica, number seven on this list. Number six is a surprise because I, I have not put this game on many of my top ten lists. Uh, it's a game that I enjoy, but not one that I get super excited about. And that is Pandemic. Pandemic is a cooperative game where you're trying to rid the world of some diseases. And I've played a lot of Pandemic. I remember the first time I played Pandemic, I played over and over again because I just I wanted to try to win. We were we were losing. I wanted to win. That was fun. Like that, that, that challenge of one more time. Let's get it right this one more time. We can do this. We were so close. And the game does make you feel like you were so close every time. I think that's one of the reasons that Pandemic gets back to the table so often. You're so close. But also, definitely the reason that it's on this list is because of the legacy versions. I really enjoy legacy games. I think Pandemic did a great job of, of, uh, of telling three very different stories in seasons one, two, and then zero. And got me to play a lot of Pandemic by playing those legacy campaigns. So... Um, those legacy games uh, bumped Pandemic well up on this list to number six of my most played long games. Number five, another uh, legacy-related game I do on this game, but it's such a giant box at this point, Clank. 
Uh, I have played many, many games of Clank. Part of it is due to the replayability of even the core game of Clank, I think is highly replayable. It's a, it's a deck building game, so you're getting different cards in your deck. It's also a kind of a, um, you're choosing your route into the dungeon, and that can feel very different every time you play. I, I don't think I've ever chosen the same exact route twice every time I've played. Also, the expansions add new cards and also and new new maps, new new ways to explore. The expansions are very easy to add in the game, so I think that actually is a factor here to highlight how easy an expansion is to add to the game uh, can definitely contribute to its longevity and whether or not a game even has expansions. That can help a game get to the, back to the table multiple times, especially if the expansion is easy to add in. But also with Clank, it had a legacy version, so... Um, definitely haven't had as many plays of Legacy Clank as Legacy Pandemic, but um, but it definitely bumped it even higher on this list. So that's why Clank is at number five on this list. Number four is Agricola. So as an adult, when I got back into the gaming hobby, there were two games that brought me in uh, into the hobby. I'll mention one in a second, but the second one was Agricola. And my eventual um, co-founder, Alan Stone, he was the person in you know, among my friend group who, who decided, okay, I've heard good things about this game. I will take on the task of learning it, and, uh, and, he, and he brought it to a, a small group of friends, and we played, this was like the game that we played. And maybe you've had a game like that, where like, just the, the game that your group played for a long time was X game, and that game for us was Agricola. We played it over and over again. Whenever we'd get together to the game, it wasn't like, what game will we play tonight? It was, we're getting together to play Agricola, when can you do this? And that happened for a long time. I think part of it is that Agricola has a ton of replayability due to the occupations and the buildings. I think are the two set types of cards in the game. Tons of replayability in that. Once you know the game really well, you can draft those cards and, and deepen the game even more. Um, but I, I think that's a big part of the reason. Also, I think Agricola is, it was such a revelation to me at the time. This is, many games have this now, but at the time, it was the first game I played where I had my own private space that opponents couldn't impact. We had plenty of interaction over the, the worker placement aspect of the game, but I had my own farm and I had full control over it and it felt good to build that farm however I wanted and no opponents could do anything about that. That felt really good in Agricola. And I think that I think that's just partially my gaming taste and one of the reasons that it got to the back to the table so many times. I, I, it was, it felt very, very comforting to have my own little place at the table whenever I played Agricola. But definitely the replayability of those cards helped out as well. The other game, at number three, is Catan. Back then it was called Settlers of Catan. This was the game that, that really got me into the gaming hobby as an adult, as is, I think, the case for many people. Um, some people maybe Ticket to Ride, Carcassonne, maybe now Azul, uh, maybe even Wingspan now for some people. But Agri uh, Catan was the game for me. I went Catan and then Agricola and then a bunch of other stuff. A Dominion and then a bunch of other stuff, really. Yeah, probably that order. Catan, Agricola, then Dominion, and then all the others. Um, but Catan, yeah, we just, we, we, that was the game. That, again, similar to Agricola. When we get together, there's a different group of friends. We'd get together and play Catan over and over again. And I think one of the things about Catan, um, which I haven't played in a long time, but I, and it, it, it really one of my criticisms of the game is that so much of the game goes into your starting position choice. Um, but I would I would think about that choice all the time. Like I, I was so excited whenever we'd set up the game to see how would things lay out on the, on the table. We, we would mostly do random setups. So how are these numbers going to end up on different territories? How is it going it to look? And then after the game, I would think about it. I would think on, more and more about it. That, I think, also tr uh, paired with the interaction of the table, the trading, the negotiation. It, it, it scratched a lot of itches to have that level of negotiation with my friends. Um, and I think part of it just came around at the right time. Like, I, I was an introvert looking to, to, to socialize and having a game to do that, uh, a game where I could have these fun interactions with my friends, 
uh, as an adult really, really scratched that itch. So Catan played it so many times as a, as a young adult, I believe in my probably mid-20s at the time. Number two is a game that I played in college, specifically my sophomore year. Uh, we would play this almost every night. We would play a game of hearts. Uh, we played hearts every night. I believe it was just one game. I think we just stuck with one game. I think we would usually play for $5. We would each put in $5. We'd play for that. Um, that seems like a lot of money now because I didn't have a lot of money in college at all. Um, but uh, but I think it maybe it, it balanced out in general. Maybe we didn't even play for money. That's I have a very poor memory. But we played hearts pretty much every night in college for a long, long time. And uh, so, yeah, I, we played so many games that year, my sophomore year, that uh, that hearts definitely made it on, onto this list. I don't know if it's anything particular about the game itself that that is the reason that it got to the table, other than it only used a deck of cards. It was not hard to set up. Uh, I haven't talked about setup a lot in these games, but I think having a quick setup and cleanup can help a game get to the table more and more often. Um, and I think also like, one of the mechanisms I love in Hearts is the ability to shoot the moon. So there's always this kind of risk reward of do, is this the time that I try to shoot the moon and take all the hearts instead of taking no hearts? That always felt pretty good. I really need to get hearts back to the table as an adult, uh, as a, I don't know, a more grown adult than I was in college to see if the game holds up. But I really enjoyed playing it with my friends in college. We had a great time. It does also require exactly four players, I believe, um, which was a little bit a little bit limiting at times. I think games that have that exact player count above two um, can be a little limiting, but we never found that to be a problem with hearts. Number one, though, the one game that might compete with Magic for most played game of all time is poker. This was the game that I played. This kind of bridges the gap in my gaming hobby between uh, after college and really starting in college. Yeah, starting in college, probably my senior year and branching into my mid-20s until I got to Catan. And even then, I think I was still playing poker for a long time. Before I hosted a weekly game night, I hosted a weekly poker night for many, many years. Every week, we played poker for years. So probably, I don't know, 200, 300, 400 games of poker maybe over that time. And we would play Texas Hold'em. We would always play for $10, so not a lot of money, but a little bit. So it felt really good when you when you would win. And we would play tournament style. And so you would uh, we, would, we would play until there was a winner. Uh, usually this would take two to three hours. Um, uh, we were younger then, so a lot of us did not have families. I still don't have a, a family other than a girlfriend, but a lot of people didn't have kids. And so they could, they could stay up a little bit later in those days. And yeah, we would play it every week. I have a spreadsheet somewhere that tracks every single one of those games. And so I probably could come up with, with an exact number of how many games that we played. But, um, but yeah, we, we would just play a ton of, ton of poker. And I think it kind of scratches that same itch of Catan, where we, we had a little, little spice on the table due to, due to the money that we were paying to get in. Um, there's the, the interaction with fellow players, the bluffing, the opportunities to feel clever in the game. Uh, the ease of play, it's very easy to get poker to the table once everyone has opted in, into the game. Like you just shuffle up the deck and, and deal it out, deal out the number of, of chips. So very easy to set up. And I think maybe the number one reason, and the reason that I, I miss poker certain, uh, to a certain extent, is when you that moment where you get to look at your hand. Um, yeah, there's all the bluffing. There's all the other stuff that goes into the game, all the strategy. But the randomness of the two cards that you get in your hand when you play Texas Hold'em, and also the randomness of which cards are shown on the table, it's just exciting. Like it's exciting to see those moments when you when you have pocket aces or when when you have like a really bad hand but you decide to stay in and somehow the flop comes out and it, it really helps your hand become really really good and the other opponents don't know it. Um, it just feels good that that level of of 
I've, I've been gifted this thing. I've been dealt this hand of cards and now I have to maximize it. Even when you get those pocket aces, how can you, how can you maximize it? Do you push all the players out so they don't have the chance of getting something better? Do you, um, do you go them along to thinking that you don't have that good of a hand so you can take a big pot there? That's exciting. I think that's, that was a lot of fun um, in playing, playing many, many games of poker over the years. So yeah, poker and magic are, are the top two here. And uh, it's hard to say which one that I played more. It really is hard to say. I, I think I'd give the edge to poker, but I've definitely played quite a few games of magic over the years. I'd love to know what your number one or your your number one, give me maybe all three categories. Let me know your number one most played short game, your number one most played long game, and your number one most played Stillmeyer games. The games that have gotten to the table time and time again. And if you feel like it, share why. I'd love to hear why you think those games have gotten to the table time and time again. Whether it's the replayability, the variability, asymmetry, easy setup, um, or, or just how easy they are to get to the table in general. Yeah, let me know in the comments below. I look forward to hearing why uh, why you think these games have gotten to the table quite so so many times. Thanks.